We may think that adding our firstborn to the family will be all hunky-dory, fun and roses, but the reality is it usually results in a decrease in marital quality. Navigating the relationship issues that transpire following the birth of a child can be tough. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody, this is episode number 51. And we want to send some love, encouragement, and props out to all the young parents that listen to our show today. You might not feel like it, but you guys are awesome. Uh-huh. So today we want to talk about what goes on in relationship satisfaction and sexuality following the birth of a child. I think it's really important to manage expectations. I know we've talked about this on previous episodes with different topics, but expectations are a huge uh-huh. part of things here. So let's put this stuff on the table for discussion as you're contemplating conceiving your first child again, as the due date is coming up. And we also want to try to give you some tips to help you create resiliency in your marriage to make this as positive an experience as possible. So question for you, Caleb. Yes. What's the new normal that couples should expect around their sexuality? Well, there's no surprises here. Okay. And we're going for the research here, not like... Yeah, this is research. Okay. The first point comes sites... Three studies. Oh, okay. Ah, that's the research there, huh? Yep. Now, I've never been a woman. Really? Yeah. And and part of that, I've never been pregnant. So you can be my reality check on all this. Or, okay. And, I, you know, I don't get into those discussions that ladies have at church on Sunday lunches about how everything went during childbirth and after that. No? No. So you can share wisdom from that, please. <laughs> I'll plug my ears. All right. Okay, Caleb. Number one. Yep. No surprises here. Breastfeeding reduces woman's sexual desire and the frequency of intercourse in the early postpartum period. Sure. Didn't know it was breastfeeding, but it definitely reduces. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is breastfeeding as opposed to bottle feeding. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's like literally it's the breastfeeding part of the whole baby experience okay. has this direct impact. Okay. Now what's interesting though, is that there are some positive factors and. In breastfeeding. <laughs> yes. But that's not what I meant. <laughs> okay. Positive factors um, that come into play during the <laughs> <laughs> during the transition from get your mind out of the gutter. During the transition from Mine wasn't in the gutter. <laughs> I was asking a real pertinent question. Are you talking about the things you studies you just cited about breastfeeding? Or are you just talking about postpartum in general? Postpartum in general. Okay. So, so you weren't clear there. Well, this is a family podcast for Linda. Let's, uh, you know. Okay. So what's interesting is that there are some positive factors in general <laughs> after postpartum. Okay. So one of the positive factors that comes into play is like for many women, this is a role change that's happening at the same time. Yeah. Right. Uh, particularly with the first child. And if, if a woman sees her shift from having a work role as primary to the mother role as primary in a positive light, yeah. There will be greater frequency of sexual intercourse during pregnancy and four months postpartum. That's, really? That's research as well. So if it's a positive thing, it, it just shifts, right? So if it's like exciting to be at home, a stay-at-home mom mm-hmm. versus like, oh, my career's on hold. What are they doing at the office without me? Yeah. Is that kind of where you're thinking? Yeah, like it feels okay. 
maybe it felt like it was an accident or it was unplanned or, you know, we're going to get into financial worries mm-hmm. that come into this as well, right? So, okay. so I think we might be on our first takeaway here, which is to consider and really have that conversation with our spouse about how we're feeling about moving from being in the workforce to becoming a mother. What's positive about that? What are you going to miss? What do you expect to be challenging? What's going to change? Okay. Yeah. And really processing that together, right? Because as you might expect, you know, relationship satisfaction, that's with your spouse, really influences sexual desire. That's not rocket science. I didn't say anything amazing right there, right? Yeah. So let's just underline again, as we have in the past, that having kids is not an ideal way to bring intimacy to your marriage. Right. Like rather than looking to the baby to fulfill that need, you need to bring your fullness to the baby. To the baby. Yeah. Hmm. You know, so it's really good to have, if possible, and this doesn't work out for everybody, but to have those first years of marriage focused on building a robust relationship. Like that word robust. That's beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And from that, out of that healthy place, bringing children into the family unit. So I want right. to be very cautious around having a baby to kind of save the marriage. Right. Yeah. Or bring I mean, us closer together, right? We talked, mm-hmm. hang on though, because yes. we talked about materialism and marriage mm-hmm. and how if you put your financial career ahead of having yep. kids, that decreases your marital yep. satisfaction. Yep. So, so we're not saying here, build equity. years and years and equity and wealth and whatever for your kid. Talk about just, the quality of your relationship. Just have a good relationship and be yeah. solid and... And out of that place. Bear children. Yeah. Okay. Most couples just do to work on expectations now. Okay. A little bit of research here. The research shows they end up having sex on average one or two times per month in the first year after baby's birth. Which is probably a really big difference from before baby's birth. Yeah. Where it's typically is more around two times a week. Slightly more if you want a BMW. (laughs) No, I'm serious. I found research for that once. Okay. Yeah. They compared the frequency of sex to the car that the guy owned. And uh, if you have a BMW... Okay. Yeah. It's too bad they didn't have something like that for minivans, but. <laughs> okay. Maybe you should do a study. So, but. <laughs> Let's address one real factor here. Okay. Because okay? we're getting into this whole sexuality after birth, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not even sure if I'm going to say this right, but dyspareunia. Oh. Dyspareunia. Okay. Is a medical term for pain during intercourse for women. Okay. Okay. Now, three months after delivery, 58% of women experience dyspareunia. 39% experience vaginal dryness. 44% suffered loss of sexual desire. That's pretty high numbers. Yeah. What I can't understand is only 44% suffered loss of sexual desire when 58% are experiencing pain. Yeah. Like what happened to that 14% that still had the sexual desire when they were experiencing pain? That doesn't mean they did anything about it. Desire, oh. not activity. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Eight or nine months later, there's still 26%, nearly a one in four women experiencing dyspareunia, 22% vaginal dryness, 35% still noting a loss of sexual desire. But only 20% of women actually discussed postnatal sexual problems with their doctor. Ooh. Yeah. And I think for Linda, that's because, you, you know, you think you're alone in this. Nobody else has this. There must be something wrong. A little bit of... Okay. Shame there, maybe. Embarrassment, at least. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to say, talk to your doctor. You're not alone. There's a lot of people who struggle after they have babies. Right. I mean, you had a baby go through your birth canal, right? That's a big deal. Yeah, that's like trauma. Yeah, and you just, you know, you cannot expect to have pleasurable sex if you're in pain during intercourse. No. And, you know, that's such a common issue. It's nothing to be ashamed about. 
It's just part of how things go in our broken world. So how to manage that expectation. Yes. You may have yeah. pain. Okay. Okay. And then I want to transfer to another study of 768 first-time parents. Okay. Now there's going to, this is going to be a shocker. Are you ready for this? Okay. Sexual desire is greater among fathers than mothers. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> oh yeah. Blows you away. Right. And, and there's this tension that's created normally. There's this tension that's created between the sexual desires of the couple as a focus of attention and the baby is a focus of attention, which kind of harks back to our episode on a child-centered marriage. Mm. But, but that a newborn baby needs so much attention. Needs you. Yes. Yeah. It does. And, and your husband can survive without you. He can. But. He's going to be okay. Yeah. But just to bear in mind a few things, right? Men usually see sexuality as a pathway to intimacy. Mm-hmm. And women see intimacy as a pathway to sexuality. And mm-hmm. it gets tricky because he can very quickly end up feeling lonely and feeling this emotional emptiness because she's literally physically not available and cannot be and should not be faulted for being unavailable. Right. Poor guy. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, she's in pain. She's exhausted. What to do? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I remember my mom saying before our first was ever born, remember you were married first. Mm-hmm. So you're a wife first before you're a mother. Mm-hmm. And it made total sense at the time, but even now it's making more sense mm-hmm. because the husband can feel rejected and not feel that intimate relationship because he's not getting the physical mm-hmm. admiration or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And so you can easily get in that vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. So that's why you need to talk about it, that yeah. it's going to be different. Yeah. What can they do instead? Like if, if a woman's in pain and exhausted and doesn't want to have sex. Yeah, or almost can't. Or can't. Yeah. What's some other options so that they don't have that disconnect? Yeah. It's a great question because I think, you know, sometimes we think that intercourse is the only expression of intimacy, physical intimacy, right? But this mm-hmm. is where, you know, it's good to go to the idea of sensuality okay. and being sensual with each other. Hugging, kissing, caressing that type Mm -hmm. of thing like when couples when they compensate with this they're better able to stay connected because they're confirming each other and they're still demonstrating affection for each other Mm -hmm. and you know we might not be able to to have that deeper intimate connection of of sex having sex together Mm -hmm. making love but we can still be sensual with each other and show love and affection and warmth and care yeah without an incredible amount of effort without physical pain Right. right so yeah I was just thinking though, for young moms, Mm -hmm. another thing to remember here, like you're exhausted, you're tired. And that I think leads to low desire. You may have really low desire at this time, but you can still be open to arousal. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a difference between going to bed wanting to do something versus going to bed willing to be open to something. Yeah. Because the wanting is probably not going to be there. No. To the same degree that it was before. No. In fact, almost definitely, right? Yeah. So I think that's another takeaway, Verlinda. But there's another part that I want to add to this, though, that you've already mentioned, which is awesome. And that is focusing on communication, mm-hmm. right? So just because you're tired, just because your attention is diverted elsewhere, uh, just because there may be some physical limitations to sexuality, it doesn't all mean that you've fallen out of love. Yeah. That your marriage is on the rocks, that maybe you should have got a puppy instead. <laughs> <laughs> Great analogy. That was a little random. <laughs> This is just part of how it goes having a baby. Right. And things will pick up again. Talk about it. But things will pick up again. Talk about things picking up again. <laughs> yeah. We're kind of both going at a point at the same time there. 
Okay. Yeah. But communicate, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like acknowledge that the baby and that the sexual desire that they're competing for each other. Yeah. And when mom has no desire because she's just trying to make it through the day, through the day, what happens often is like she's, and you can tell me if this is right or not, but she dares not show any tenderness to the husband in case that might be misunderstood as an invitation mm-hmm. for sexual activity that's going to hurt later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She wants to be loved. Yeah. And feel that bond and oneness, but is scared to do it because she doesn't want to go down that road right now. So how to deal with that? You got to talk about it. Say like, can we cuddle? Like I, I still hurt and I don't think I'm, I'm not necessarily up for sex tonight, Mm -hmm. but I want to be close to you. Yeah. And then he's not feeling rejected by the baby. Or led on. Or let on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's where just kind of putting this all out into the open, I think is a great idea and, and being proactive about where things are at. Yeah. And where things are going even on that day. Okay. Okay. So we want to allow the mom to say, I want to be loving with you, but I, I may not be able to be sexual. So you're making that interaction not demanding, right? She's, and the irony of Verlinda is because then she's not under pressure and she can be tender and she can receive his tenderness and affection without having a strong sense that there's expectations around that, guess what might just happen anyways? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I don't really like to go down that road. Well, you're not starting with that in view, but it'd be quite perceivable, uh, you know, be reasonable, I think, to see that there could be a possibility that arousal would occur. Mm-hmm. What are you not buying? But I'm thinking, okay, Mr. Husband's listening to this going, oh, so if I just make it look non-demanding and, you know, I'm tender and affectionate, then I'm going <laughs> to get something. And that just is increasing the demand. So I think a husband actually has to be non-demanding for a few times yeah. before his wife's ever going to go, okay, this is safe. Sure. And relax enough. Like, it's not like the first time you say, okay, yeah. we're only going to cuddle that your wife's going to turn on. No. Makes this sense? Is, yeah. I mean, this is where commitment in marriage comes through, right? Yeah. So you may like, not be getting everything you want. I am absolutely here for you, even though... I might not get what I want. In bed. Right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm good with that. Okay. But don't you think that, again, that takes really good communication? It takes the willingness for the husband to honor the trauma done to his wife's body, and both of them to accept that this little cutie they've created, it, it, creates, it takes some work. Yeah. And there's going to be a different kind of togetherness in that first year, especially after baby's born, but it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? There's lots of parents out there who are a little further along and they're having sex like they're on vacation. Like it gets better. Yeah. That first year, it is exhausting and it is a ton of work, Mm -hmm. but it passes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, everybody says, enjoy it. They grow up so fast. And when you're actually in it, sometimes it's hard to enjoy it. Yeah. And all you're seeing, as you said before, is what you're missing. Like what's been taken away. Yep. But if you can focus on the positive of yep. how things have changed. Yep. It just makes things so much better. And and just to keep the long view in, like I listened to another podcast talks about sexuality and in, in a Christian context and in marriage. Mm-hmm. And they address a much wider range of audience than what we have. And they're talking about how great sex gets when people are older, even mm-hmm. like it continues to grow and develop. Right. So we can have mm-hmm. the long view of marriage there too. Right. So That's just where the commitment stage comes in. That we're going through. So fatigue is a factor. Absolutely. The physical impact of the childbearing process is a factor. Mm-hmm. Breastfeeding is a factor. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to mention that depression is a factor. Yeah. Postpartum so, depression. Yeah. And in that case, you know, that depressive mood that comes along, that's an issue for many. Yeah. 
So just a couple of things to consider here for some of our listeners that are undoubtedly going through this. First of all, have compassion for yourself. Yes. And if I can talk to husbands, have compassion for your wife. Compassion is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And Allow yourself mm-hmm. the permission to feel this way. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the significant factors for Linda that came out of a study of over 400 women was financial worries hmm. as it relates to having a baby. And I think that's, yeah. you know, stopping the career. We're going down to one income. Yeah. Right? If you're not pregnant yet, you know, really think this part through so you can minimize that pressure as much as possible. And many of us, you know, when we really need to, we can sit down and cut our family spending by up to a third. You're really, really committed to it, right? Yeah. You're not going to keep the same standard of living, but hey, you're going to choose joy or you're going to choose nice stuff. And this this is something that we have control over. So if you talk about that ahead of time, if you think that through, if you make changes. Yep. To reduce that financial stress. Yes. It actually has a bearing on like depression and postpartum mood. Yes. Wow. It's a significant factor. Another major factor is social support. Yeah. So just finding that, reaching out, even when you really don't feel like it, you know, there's moms and tots programs at a lot of churches or community centers. Yeah. And do you know what? I mean, as a fellow mom here, it's when you least feel like it, Mm -hmm. that you need to drag your sorry self out of bed Mm -hmm. and get dressed Mm -hmm. and get out of the house. You know what? You're not going to feel like your body looks good mm. for those first few months. After mm. the first, not so bad. You know, if you've had a few, it mm. gets worse. <laughs> you know, it takes longer. But you need that support. You need yeah. that engagement with other people in that yeah. social response yeah. and network. Yeah. And as I said before, don't let yourself focus only on the losses. Celebrate the positive. Like you have a new life. You've got these little smiles and particularly your little newborn smile. Mm-hmm. You know, the new stage you're in as parents. Mm-hmm. And on and on. Yeah. <laughs> Celebrating the positives. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to say something. Well, I was just going to say, you know what? If you're out there, if you're having a hard time, reach out. Like yeah. it's a challenge. Other people are going through it though. Absolutely. You don't have to be alone. Yeah. Yeah. So there's people out there that care for you. And maybe you can't see that right now. Like when you're so exhausted and you're so bogged down Mm -hmm. and you feel like your whole life has been confined to Mm -hmm. your four walls of your home, kind of, that's when you need to reach out. And if it's really, really hard, make sure you reach out to your family doctor, get help there as well. Do you think some women don't do that because they're afraid they're going to lose their baby? I think it's going to get taken away because they're really depressed. Could be. I think that's where, like, if you know your family doctor at all. Yeah. He's going to support you or she's going to support you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you know what? I remember going to a breastfeeding clinic with one of ours. Yeah. And I just absolutely dissolved huh. into tears, like melted. And there was an intern in there with the doctor and the doctor was so rude and bawled me out for not having an abortion. And what? yeah, it was brutal. And the intern kind of like scurried her out of the room and she showed me compassion. Yeah. And like, you know what? You need support. Get your mom and I mean, you were there obviously, but yeah, working full time and you just need a little bit more support. Yep. And so you might need to find the right doctor. Yep. You might need to find the True right enough. friend True because enough. not everybody gives you the right advice. Anyways. That's good. We hope there's been some help to you. We love you guys. Can you help us share the love? <laughs> Let others know about this episode if they have newborns or are expecting soon a great way you can serve them. You can leave us a review 
for the episode on iTunes. It bumps up our podcast in the search results, and that helps us to reach and influence more marriages. Yep. And if you want to read this up when you're done listening, you can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 51. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Okay, what are you laughing at me for? You're popping. Well, what am I supposed to do about that? Move your microphone down. Positive and experience it's, is possible. It's in exactly the same spot for Linda <laughs> for crying out loud. Positive experience is possible. <laughs> <laughs>